Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 163 of Soccer New Rocket America, featuring you know who. Hello! Yeah, that's my 11-year-old daughter, Person Noob. In this pod, we are getting together for lots of fun. It's going to, of course, include match previews from all the top races in the top flight leagues all over the world. And I mean, we're willing to go anywhere in the world. Countries, big or small, we don't care. If the match is important where it's being played, it is on our radar. And that goes for all the big tournaments, of course, too. Plus, of course, Daughter Deer, she will bring in you her usual animal fun, and she's got a second sort of partial bonus segment where we're going to do just a little bit of fun language learning. She has been, and so you can, too. And I know that she is the reason that a lot of you really tune in, and that's awesome. This week, we're going to be covering matches from the very tail end of November, the last week of it. So, Let's dive right in with... Match number one! Our first is a trophy match this week. Yeah, we're headed to the Primera División of Venezuela. Never mind that it is the number 10 ranked of the 10 member countries in South America's Conmobile organization. It's still a trophy match, and them is the shiniest of all. Now, this is a nation in which they do not have, like most, uh, most Spanish-speaking countries in this hemisphere, they don't have an apertura and clausura stage, an opening and a closing one that are of equal lengths. Instead, they have a first phase, which is the regular season, essentially and then they have a final phase where the top four who have all already earned Copa Libertadores bursts uh, battle it out to see who's going to be the overall champion and which team will get to start at which stage of the following year's Copa Libertadores. The top two from this battle of four, they will play for the national title. That's where we are. Number one, Deportivo uh, Deportivo Tachira versus number B, Caracas. This is a home match for uh, Tachira. Both earned uh, Copaladori's group, group stage berths for finishing in the top two of the league. Series between these two, man, I've never seen a dispersion quite like this. Uh, Caracas have had a slight edge. In 32 games, they've won seven but only lost five. Yeah, the other 20 all draws. Uh, the last two matches, in fact, they drew nil-nil and 1-1. All right, let's talk about Tachira first. They are known as the Black and Gold, or Ori Negro, and play out of San Cristobal. Tachira is the actual name of the state, San Cristobal, the town. It's in the western part of the country, uh, maybe just a half hour or so from the Colombian border, a uh, city of about 650,000 people. It's still very focused on agricultural uh, agriculture in the greater area, and it's known for its very hardworking people, uh, conservative. Uh, I don't mean in a political sense like we would mean it here in the U.S., just in kind of their general demeanor and uh this is sort of the folklore uh center of the country if you will these keep these people still celebrate the nation's uh indigenous folklore very much 
They're also uh, the team football wise is known for having very uh, let's call it let's say feisty hooligans. Example uh, back in 2000, some people got hurt setting the Caracas team bus on fire. Ugh, yeah, yikes! This is quite a derby. All right, historically, the team has won nine league titles. Most recent one was two years ago. 2004, Copa Libertadores, they finished at the quarterfinal stage. That was the best they've ever done. But overall, they have had the most uh, appearances, 25, in the nation's history in the Copa Libertadores. This year, they got to play in the secondary tournament, the Copa Sudamericana. That's the equivalent of the Europa League, for those of you who followed UEFA a little bit more closely. They lost in the first round. They got to go to that by virtue of finishing in sixth place last year. This year, they won the regular season title by four points over number B, Academia Puerto Cabello. Taking a look at just the regular season stats, since that was the heart of the season, uh, they had the second-best offense. It was good, but the defenses where they really shone. They weren't even giving up two goals every three matches on average. That was good enough to tie them for number one in goal differential. Key player to look for uh, on the top 10 scoring leaderboard with eight on the year was Anthony uh, Uribe, striker, veteran, 33 years old, who actually started his career with Caracas. That doesn't even sound safe to me, switching from one team to the other in this particular derby. Team's current form, uh, cartoonish. They are unbeaten in their last 28 matches. They had won five in a row at home, in fact, until their last final phase match versus Caracas when they had that draw. All right, and now uh, Caracas. They are known as the Reds from Avila. And Avila, no, it's not the name of a town. It's actually a nearby mountain. It's also the name of a national park, El Avila National Park. And fun fact, it offers the longest cable car ride in the world. They have the most league titles in the country's history, if not overall Copa Libertadores performances, uh, with a dozen. Last time they won one was 2019. 2009, they made the Copa Libertadores quarterfinal. That was easily the best they've ever done. As you can see by these very good teams only getting as far as the quarterfinals at their peak. Venezuela, yeah, baseball is still the national sport. They're not football, but we're working on it. Last year, a very down year for them. They only finished in 11th place. This year, they barely squeaked into the final phase at all. They made the top four by only three on goal differential over number five, Carabobo. Uh, they finished 18 points behind Deportivo uh, Chachara in the regular season. That was in just 28 matches. Uh, they're a pretty well-balanced team. Giving up less than a goal per match uh, only put them uh, maybe in the top third here, but they had uh, a top three offense, so getting one and two-thirds goals per match, and the third best overall goal differential on the regular season. Key player to look for, number three league-leading scorer with a dozen was Ade Ogans from Nigeria, just 22 years old. Team's current form, one, one, and one in their last three, but before that, interestingly, I've never seen a stretch like this, eight straight draws. Yeah, five of them were nil-nil, so I don't, I don't know whether to say that the defense have been improved or if they were just playing more small ball, but at one point they even had a stretch of three straight nil-nil draws. Now, because of that and some other things, the bet I like here, yes, we're starting to get into the gambling, and I'm still ahead um, over about three and a half weeks of doing this on tons of games. Uh, I like the draw plus 210 here using the American standard instead of the European uh, bookmaking standard using Dust. 
decimals. So you bet 100, you would win 210 and get back your original bet. In any event, good luck to both the combatants. Match number B. I use the phrase last match, and here it is again. Number B, you say? Why, yes, because we believe number two to be bathroom talk, and we wish to be more couth. So join us in our revolution and replace that phrase in your life. Live it. Listen to it in action right now. Match number B. This one's a little bit more for the true noobs. I know the veteran fans finding us will know plenty about the English Premier League, probably even more than I do. But who knows? You might learn something interesting. I've got a lot of little fun factoids in here and stats and things. As always, the top four finishers at the end of the year in England will go to the Champions League. The next best finisher will go to the Europa League. They do not send anybody to the Conference League directly out of league play. They have saved that uh, for one of their tournament champions, and I believe they're the only country in Europe to do it that way. And your match of the best two in the world right now. Number one, Manchester City versus number B, Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, they uh, trail by just one point. Liverpool, over the last, oh, I don't know, I'll say a decade, dozen years, they've had the better of it ever so slightly, accruing a 15, 12, and 10 record over Man City. I got to believe Man City have had the better of it maybe the last two or three years, as hot as they've been. You can catch this iteration, 7.30 in the morning, on Saturday on Peacock. Okay, Man City, they are known as the Blues, and they have won the title nine times. Yeah, Manchester United was the power in this league for a very long time, but the last, oh, 15 years, uh, Man City have really turned it on, and they are the three-time defending league champions. They are also the defending Champions League champions. That's the only time they've ever won that event was last year. Defense is good. Offense is excellent. Two and two-thirds goals per match. Number one goal differential, very much largely at the feet of number one league scorer with 13 goals, Erling Holland out of Norway. He is just destroying records on the offensive side. Although from what I'm ready, he is somewhat doubtful to play in this match because of a uh, ongoing ankle injury. I think he re-aggravated it in an international match against the Faroe Islands. Why he's bothering to play against the Faroe Islands. I don't know. So who might they be leaning on? Well, they get their offense from a lot of different places, for better or for worse. Their next best scorer with four on the season is Julian Alvarez from Argentina. He is a striker for them as well, traditionally. Also has four assists. Team MVP, in my opinion, has probably been the singularly named Rodri from Spain, their defensive midfielder. Nearly a 94% accuracy mark for passing is just outrageous and it's number one in the league and is a long ball accuracy. I've never seen a stat like this. 88%. He can attack from anywhere on the field. He is actually second best in the league in that regard. 80% dribble success rate. Talk about an engine for the offense. How does this guy only have four assists? And he's great in the air defensively as well. Really look for him to be winning on a lot of those high balls. He's uh, rated 70% success rate on those duels. But newer fans, if you want to sound really smart with your friends that might know a little bit more, uh, provided that he uh, gets to play, he's getting a fair number of minutes, watch out for Jeremy Doku, a left winger, plays forward for them. He's just 21 years old. Already, uh, even as not really a starter, he has got two goals, five assists, and he's number one in the league per 90 minutes in accurate dribbles. So this is a guy who can really be an engine for the offense. Team's current form, uh, they had a wild 4-4 draw at Chelsea in their last one, and that snapped a five-match winning streak. 
And now the Reds of Liverpool, 19 Division I titles. I phrase it that way because a lot of them were long before the Premier League was called. That went by different names. Their most recent title, 2019-2020. Six times they've won the Copa Copa Libertadores at South America. That'd be weird for them to win. Six times they've won the Champions League, 2018-19. They even once won the FIFA Club World Cup title. That was also in 2019. Last year, they finished in fifth place, earned a Europa League berth, and they're still battling in that tournament currently. Good offense. They're getting over two goals matched themselves, but they're tied for number one on defense, and they'll do their best to control the pace if they can here. Uh, They've been giving up less than a goal per match on average. Much of the scoring that they get is largely at the feet of their Egyptian superstar. He's got 10 on the year already from the right wing, Mohamed Salah. Uh, According to FootMob, FootMob, a app I really, really like and trust. He is probably the second best player in the league in terms of the MVP race. He's got four assists, and he has been so successful for so long that his life story is taught uh, by law in school curriculums all over Egypt. How wild is that? Another key player to look for, Darwin Nunez, their Uruguayan striker. Uh, He's only scored on four of the nine what they would call statistically big chances that have been created for him. He's a guy who uh, they're going to win on the road. They probably need to step up just a little bit more. Number one in save percentage on the year for them has been Brazilian goalkeeper Allison Becker. And now, if you want to sound smart about this team, here's a name to look uh, to look for and mention. Watch for Harvey Elliott, presuming he's in the game. He's only 20 years old, but plays central midfielder when he's in there. He is tied for second best in the league in possessions one in the final third per 90. That means if they're in their offensive third and they don't have control of the ball, this is a guy who's going to get control of that ball back and create more chances or get his teammates to. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in the last three across all competitions. How do I like for you to bet this one? I say play a lottery ticket on this one. Take a chance that uh, Erling Holland really is going to be out of the match and take Liverpool to win and for there to be two and a half goals scored uh, in the match or less. In other words, Liverpool will win nil one or nil two, And if you hit that thing... Wow. Pays off plus 1,000. Match number three. Match number three is going to be something like we've never quite done before here. And this is going to be a stand-in match for all the matches like it, uh, most especially or entirely around Northern Europe. Those leagues are ending. Season's coming to an end. We're headed to Lithuania, a person noob favorite. The A-Liga, L-Y-G-A, maybe it's Liga, I think it's Liga, is the top flight there. And this is what they call a qualification final that's taking place. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. I'll explain that in a moment. First of all, a little bit about the Lithuanian top flight. It is ranked number 44 in UEFA, so fairly far down, well within the last quartile. Now, out of this league, the last place team, number 10, uh, Ritiaria, they were automatically relegated. And then the winner of... Liga one, which is the second division was automatically promoted. So they switched places. Uh, by the way, some of the other countries, this is taking place in uh, Sweden for the men and women this week, uh, the Norwegian women and uh, the Latvian men, just to throw that out there. So now what's happening is that the second to last place team in the top flight and the second place team from the second division are playing each other home and away fighting for the right to be in the top flight next year. So maybe the top flight team, which is 
uh, Zugas will get relegated and may or maybe not. Uh, or and then their uh, the team that's trying to take their place to finish second place in Division Two is called B E One, capital B lowercase e number one, and then N F K. Uh, they played at BE1's place the first time, the first leg, and they managed to hold uh, the top flight team, Jugas, to a 1-1 draw. Congratulations on getting them uh, far. I'll be interested to see how it goes. But that is as far as we are going to go with this particular match because Persanoop has a special place in her heart for Lithuania, and so she would like to do a special language learning segment. But now, instead of telling you about the match, we are going to get inside the mind of Person Noob. Let's play Let's Learn Lithuanian. Yay. We don't have a theme song for this one. Let's Lithuanian learn. from Lithuania. Let's oh, yeah. learn Lithuania with Person okay. Noob. Oh, okay. I guess we do have a theme song. Congratulations. That's awesome. All right. Um, I know you've been learning viola for school. Maybe we could have uh, something on the viola by the next time we have a Lithuanian match. Uh, don't worry, that'll be like no earlier than seven months from now because Good. this is the end of the season. Good for them. <laughs> you don't want to write a, You don't want to write anything on the viola. No. Nope. Happy to just sing it. How is the viola going? Um, Better than the Lithuanian or worse? I really don't know. That's fair. Well, not knowing is half the battle, or something like that. All right. Let's uh, first of all, let's remind the people because we've done little things like this before. What is it about? Lith- How is it that you uh, came to be interested in uh, Lithuania? I read a book about it. Yeah. What kind of book? Um, a book about a girl who was Lithuanian. Um, uh, but this was when Russia was attacking Lithuania. Yeah. Which, um, cool history fact, Lithuania was actually part of Russia, which was like one of the world's greatest nations, and it broke off, so they reclaimed half of Lithuania. Um, they were attacking it, um, and then they found her house, uh, and her parents were illegal book smugglers, <coughs> uh, and they were illegal because they were written in Lithuanian, which was banned. So after they got her to her house, um, and um, burned her family in a fire, um, she had to run away to this old lady with a illegal book being yeah. chased by Russian soldiers. How long ago did you read this for school? Was it two years ago? Not for school, but I read oh. it like two years ago. Gotcha. Yeah, and it really made an impression on you. All right. So you have been learning some Lithuanian throughout the, the summer and beyond. What are the words that you would like to share with us today? All right. Even though I knew more, I found three words that everyone should know in Lithuanian. Oh, important ones. All right. Yes. The first one is going to be turtle. That sounds like an English word. That is an English word. Oh, that is the English word. What's the Lithuanian world world word for turtle? Turtle in Lithuania is Veslius. I th- I I'm guaranteed that that's not how you pronounce it, but Veslius. Yeah, I think we determined before when we did this last time that it was like Vizli. 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 Okay. Next is cheese. Oh, cheese. That's a good one. Not chez. Cheese. But cheese. All right. What I, is the word for cheese? I, I don't think my translator would translate chez, but siris. Is. How is it spelled? S-U-R-I-S. All right. So S-U-R-I-S. So we think it's pronounced. Siris. Siris. Very cool. So that's cheese. Oh, siris. So you got to get your emphasis on the right syllable. All right. Do you have any other words for us? I have one last word. Ooh, number three. The most important word. Well, actually, the second. 
foot. After turtle? Yeah. All right. Are you ready? I am. I'm sitting down even. The word is monkey. Monkey? Monkey. Monkey. I have a feeling this is some foreshadowing to later on in the show. Uh, but let's not spoil the surprise just yet. All right. What is the word for monkey? Bestion. Sorry. Try that again. <laughs> Bestion. Bezdezion. 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 Can I see how it's spelled? B-E-Z-D-Z-I-O. Oh, wow. That really is about how it looks. Yeah, it's probably uh, Bezdezion or something. Yeah. Yeah, you get a lot of Z-J kind of what we would think of maybe in our part of the world. It's French sounds. The J in there. All right. So now you know how to say uh, turtle monkey cheese in Lithuanian. So that's word uh, six, I think. Wow, you've been doing very, very well. I saw one of your flashcards uh, earlier. I ran across when I was vacuuming, and it was uh, it was for paper. Do you happen to remember what it was? It was like something. Yeah, like papyrus. It basically looked papyrus. like papyrus. Papyrus. I think. Which I thought was pretty cool because that looked fairly close to something Latin-based, whereas the rest of these words um, don't look anything like I would uh, want them to. They're not close to Latin or English or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So now I can say... Paper cheese turtle monkey. Yeah. <laughs> so do I win? Yeah. Do win! I get a, do I get do we all get a prize? Yeah. What do we get? You get the ability to breathe the air. Okay, you're a weirdo. <gasps> what? But that's all right. We never know really how these things are gonna turn out. We don't really have we didn't plan a way to end it. We're just making this up as we go. We're the noobs. We're Lithuanian noobs, we're soccer noobs, and we don't have a theme song to end on. So should we just go to your next sounder for the next match? Lithuanian match number four. All right, that was fun, but I'll admit that match one was more fun because it was a trophy match. So let's get back to that idea. Match number four is from the Chinese FA Cup this week. They have reached their final. It's going to be in a neutral site called Shuju. Now, here's the setup for the FA Cup. 16 teams from the top flight, the Super League, as well as their second division, third division, and amateur clubs all got to participate. The winner is going to get to go to the Asian Champions League. That's right. Unlike in Europe, where they tend to get either Europa Leagues or Europa Conference League bursts, not so in Asia. They make it even more important. Your finalists are Shanghai Shenhua versus Shandong Taishan, both, as you would expect, from the Super League series between these two. Uh, Taishan have had the better of it. 14-8-8 is their accrued record in recent years. Uh, This year they split things, though. The home team winning both times. Uh, Shenhua won 1-0 at their place, and Taishan dominated when they got their home match 3-0. All right, let's learn a little bit about each team. Shanghai Shenhua, they are known as the Flower of Shanghai. I love nicknames like that. They play out of the Zhuhui district, uh, which uh, the core urban area has about a million people. It was once a French concession of the city, and the influence is still to be seen in uh, the architecture, some of the street naming, things like that. Kind of a cool area. They have won this particular event five different times. Last time was 2019. 2006, they made the Asian Champions League quarterfinals, best they've ever done. Last year in league play, they finished in fifth place. Uh, This year, they managed the same thing. 2023 finished in fifth place in the Super League. So, because they finished that low, that means they will not be going to the Champions League or anywhere else without this 
title. Yes, they are desperate for this particular trophy. And it's their defense they're going to be relying on. They were actually below average on offense for the league, uh, getting less than a goal and a quarter per match. Defense was top four, though. A little bit above average overall on goal differential. They've done very well. They've clearly uh, given some focus as the season has gone on to this particular competition as they fell behind in the Super League. <laughs> They've got, if he managed to find an online stream for this really fun guy to watch uh, for this team, uh, tied for number one in the league in yellow cards with eight was uh, Shenglong Jiang. He's a 22 year old uh, center back with apparently some uh, anger or self control issues, maybe. Uh, team MVP, though, probably Ibrahim Amadou from France, their central midfielder. Uh, just two goals and one assist, really good dribbler, lots of interceptions, a little bit more defensive minded. He's been something of a European journeyman, having played for uh, French clubs like back home like Anja and Metz, but he's also been with Sevilla, Norwich, and then even a couple more in France now. Look, uh, Lille, Nancy. He's clearly chasing the bag now that he's in China. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, one in their last three. They advanced the final over Qingdao uh, Hainu, no one. All right, now Shandong Taishan. Uh, they play out of the city of Jinan in the Shandong province. And they are known as the team of Mount Tai, which literal mountain. Uh, they finished the 2023 Super League that just recently closed up shop in second place. So they have already earned their berth into the Champions League. I, I have a feeling that won't really reduce their uh, fervor for winning, you know, getting the double and winning this particular title. But they may not be quite as desperate as Shen Wai, might be fair to say. They've won this event title eight different times and are the three-time defending champions. Uh, currently, they're in the Asian Champions League group stage. Uh, they finished in the quarterfinals a whole bunch of times, but never gotten any further. Most recent one was 2016. Second best offense in the Super League this year, but they had the number one defense, giving up just a little bit more than three quarters of a goal per match on average and had the number one overall goal differential. So you can make an argument this was the best team in that league. Key player to look for, uh, number three in assists with 10 on the year for the league was uh, Moises Lima, their Brazilian veteran attacking midfielder. He's 35 years old, still getting it done. Goalkeeping, oh, they got a good netminder. Second best in clean sheets in the league with 10. Uh, Dalia Wang, he had 33, or not 33, he had 10 clean sheets. He is 33 years old. He actually started his career with Shanghai Shenhua. But he's been with this team since 2013, and in that decade, he's made nearly 300 appearances. But their team MVP is uh, probably this Brazilian, uh, the singularly monikered uh, Kryzan, C-R-Y-Z-A-N. He plays striker for them, had a dozen goals on the year, five assists to complement those, good dribbler and a good tackler. Uh, second best in possessions, one in the final third per 90. So this guy is scoring, this guy is assisting, and if he's not doing that, well, uh, he's just knocking you down to get the ball back and try again. He came over here from a Portuguese side named Santa Clara in the top flight. Team's current form, they're 4-1-0 in their last five across all competitions. They advanced to this final over Dalian Pro. They got a 1-2 road win. So now just a little side note, if Shandong, if Shandong Taishan win, then Super League number four finishers Chengdu Rongcheng will actually get the Champions League berth. And as far as uh, what I have here in my notes is the NBL, uh, the the uh, the new, it should be BNL, uh, the bet that Noob likes. Uh, my note on this says to myself said, stay away. It means more to Shanghai Shenhua, and yet Shang, Shandong Taishan owned this event. Yeah, don't put any money on this one, but it is going to be a great game to follow.
match number five. And now it's time for your feature Major League Soccer match of the week. They are, of course, well into their playoffs now. Match number five is a quarterfinal between number four out of the Western Conference, uh, Houston Dynamo, versus number eight. Yeah, the bottom seed remaining once they got past the play-in round, Kansas City. Uh, the winners will get either number three, LAFC, or number B, Seattle Sounders. The series between these two... Kansas City have had a slight advantage. This is probably all-time numbers as well. 18, 13, and 14 is the record that they've accrued. This year, they split on the home game line. Kansas City won 2-1 at their place. Houston got a 1-0 shutout at theirs. You can catch this one at 7 o'clock on Sunday, Fox Sports 1, Fox Deportes, or Apple TV with MLS Season Pass. All right, first, let's get to know the home team, the Orange Crush, Houston Dynamo. They've won two titles. They went back-to-back 2006-2007. In 2007, they also made the CONCACAF Champions Cup, formerly CONCACAF Champions League, semifinal, best they've ever done, even though I think that was just their like second year of existence. Last year, they finished in 13th place in the West. Yeah, no playoffs were to be smelled there. Uh, this year, they got it done on a pretty good balance. The West wasn't the highest scoring uh, uh, place in the world. They were tied for number four in that regard, but it only took one and a half goals per match. They had the third best defense as well. Key player to look for, uh, team MVP, in my opinion, was Hector Herrera, their Mexican defensive midfielder, 33-year-old veteran. 11 assists to go with four goals. He was also number three in accurate passes per 90 minutes and was an all-star this year. This is a guy with a good pedigree. Spent the heart of his crew at Porto, one of the big three over in Portugal. Also did some time with Atletico Madrid. Yeah, La Liga, number two league in the world. Over 100 national team appearances from Mexico. They've got a really good goalkeeper, too. He was tied for third best in clean, in clean sheets was uh, American journeyman Steve Clark, 37 years old. He has just been trucking around MLS, making his coin. Whole career. Never went over to Europe, I don't believe. Team's current form. Uh, if you just talking about 90 minutes plus injury time, they are unbeaten in eight straight matches. And that's all since winning the MLS Cup, which is our FA Cup title. And now Kansas City, known always and forevermore as the Wizards. They've got a supporting group that's even known as the Cauldron, which I think is a pretty cool section of the seating. They've won the league title twice. Last time was a decade ago, 2019. They had their best CONCACAF Champions Cup finish, finishing in the semifinals. Last year, uh, they sat home, Netflix, and chilled just like Houston did. They only finished number 12 in the West. They, as I mentioned, had to get into the playoffs via the wild card round. They took nine teams, number eight and nine seeds had a battle just to get this far battle they did and then get here they did and then they beat uh, number one St. Louis to get to this stage as well during the regular season their defense is where they were really having trouble they were giving up a goal and a half per match other de- their offense was a little bit better than average they had finished with the number eight overall goal differential so they finished about where they should have they're just not supposed to be here right now Kind of cool that they are, though. Key players to look for. Tied for number one in accurate long balls per 90. So a really key, unique part of their attack is Nemanja Radoja from Serbia, central midfielder. But their MVP, as he is every year, is Daniel Shalloway. He's their uh, Hungarian left winger. Seven goals, seven assists. He's also a very good crossing passer. He's got uh, well over 33% accuracy, which is really good in that statistic. It looks like he might get dispossessed a fair bit. And yet, then in turn, he's a tremendous tackler. Team's current 
in form. Well, they've won five straight games, although it's worth noting that they've kept just one clean sheet. And uh, the bet that I like for this particular one, Houston and Kansas City, I don't know who's going to win, but I would say play both to score. You'll get minus 140 on that. Match number six. All right, full disclosure for match number six. I determined pretty quickly that this wasn't what I thought it was based on the name. I am talking about the final of an event called the Copa Peru, which I assumed was the FA Cup final in this nation. I'm not even sure that they have what we would call an equivalent to an FA Cup tournament. But what they do have is this event, and it is a series of leagues that actually play in their amateur that lead to an elimination tournament out of which the winner gets promoted to Liga 2 right now, which is the top division. And it turns out that they even used to get one promoted into the top division, but this is how it stands right now. So if you can win the, uh, get out of the amateur leagues and into the amateur bracketed tournament and win that, then you get to be a professional team in the lower of the two levels of that in Peru. There are district, provincial, and departmental stages in this event, and 50 teams qualify out of that departmental stage before the knockout round. So uh, basically everybody just plays six games, and I'm assuming they try to do an even cross-section for everyone. They use some sort of methodology or software that I didn't read a whole lot about to determine and try to make it as fair as they can. The best 16 will then make it to the knockout stage. Your matchup to see who's going to make it into Peru's Liga 2 is San Marcos out of the city of Huari versus ADA out of uh, Jaén. And this is the uh, first year in existence for San Marcos. I don't know if they're surprised or not. They might have taken over somebody's license or somebody rich might have started a club. By the way, ADA stands for... um, Basically, uh, it's an agricultural sports association. I don't know what the matchup there is between agropecuaria and uh, and deportiva, the sports, but uh, that's what it is. Might be part of the country's push, for example, to get the game out of the cities and more into the countrysides. I don't even know for sure, but one of them is going to be professional this year. The other thing that I can tell you is that it's all you're going to learn this particular week about these two teams because this is the time of show where I let my daughter take over with her own segment. Let's sing the thing. Let's sing this theme song, child. Aminos, aminos, aminos from around the world. Oh yeah. Oh, so melodious. I don't think we could possibly make that any better, could we? You got a kitty who's from around the world, right there, isn't he? Yeah. What's your kitty's name? His name is Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. What's the little brother's name? Smokey. Yeah, they're sweeties, aren't they? Yeah. That one's a big dog. He acts like a dog. He is a big dog in disguise. Yeah, and he's also chonky. That's a word I learned. And it's going to be in the Scrabble Dictionary soon, because I'm a giant Scrabble nerd. But small, S-M-O-L, will not be yet. But chonky is getting added. Where did you learn these words? Uh, a friend of mine from the Scrabble playing community sent me a list of the words that they're going to be adding. Where did you learn small and chunky before that? Well, chunky I learned from you. Uh, small I learned uh, from a friend from back home in Iowa. Yeah. So what kind of animal are we going to talk about this week instead of the soccer match that is from the area where the soccer match that we're not covering is being played? The bald yukari. Yukari. That's a fun one. U-A- K-A-R-I. What kind of animal is it? Monkey. Monkey. Is it a chunky monkey? Yes. 
Um, I'm sure, well, we'll get into that. I'm not so sure based on the notes that we've got um, here. Tell us a little bit about what the bald uh, Iwakari, is it Wakari, do you think, or Uwakari? Uwakari. Uwakari. What does the bald Uwakari look like physically? It's got a short tail, it's got a bright crimson face, a big bald head, and a long coat. Yeah, real long, shaggy furry coat. I've seen some of the pictures. They look like old men, old bald men in the park. Where's my bread? I'm going to feed the birds. That's um, what they look like to me. Um, They're pretty awesome. Yeah. You had a strange look on your face there like you weren't expecting that. Don't you remember the picture of the adult one? We'll look at some baby ones a little bit later on because that's the best thing. And yeah, the tails, you mentioned they're short. They're very short. Like they're usually not even six inches long, well under half the length of the average, uh, you know, overall body. And that's very unusual for a new world monkey in the Western Hemisphere. So uh, tell me some more. Like, where does it live? All right. Um, it lives in the, I don't know how to pronounce that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Barzea? The Barzia Forest and other wood, wooded habitats near water in the western Am- Amazon of Brazil and Peru. Yes, and that's why we picked this one, because it's fairly endemic to the Peruvian region. It's in the Amazon Basin. Now, I uh, took the liberty of finding out what a Barzia Forest is, and a Barzia is a floodplain, and it is specifically an area that floods only seasonally, not all the time, and it gets uh, flooded specifically in this region by uh, white uh, whitewater rivers. So fresh, so freshwater rivers that flood these areas. And so the monkey is arboreal. Do you know what arboreal, arboreal means that I can't seem to say? It means that it lives in trees because it needs to stay above the floods. That's exactly right. So even when it's not flooding in the area where it lives, it's just used to being up in the trees anyway. What does it eat while it's up there? Um, it mostly eats fruits and nuts, but it will eat insects if it happens across them, but they Mm -hmm. will not hunt them. And some of those are really, really hard to get open, not meaning the insects, but like the nuts and some of the harder fruits. And so these little guys, they have powerful lower jaws for opening those up easily. So you would not want to get bitten by a wakari. It would probably take your hand right off. Ah, now monkey has a third hand and you have one. You are outnumbered in monkey hands. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know where that was really going either. But how big do they get? Oh, about seven pounds, a foot and a half long. Well, so as monkeys go, not a terribly big monkey. And are, are they fairly solitary animals? Nope. They live and travel in groups usually of five to 30, but sometimes up to 100. And they have moderately big areas. They'll travel as much as four and a half miles in a day. So I read in my research, uh, you know, that they... Uh, both with a, a sense and using their tails and certain sounds, they do have a lot of defense mechanisms and like to warn each other when there are dangers afoot. All right, what's one of the really unique things about the monkey that you can tell me? Is that they can get malaria really easily. Yeah, it's funny. We think of malaria, you know, it's not a disease we see a lot of here in the U.S., but when you go to other places, you can find malaria. And these monkeys, sounds like they're really, really susceptible to it, huh? Mm -hmm. But is that one of the main threats to them and why they are endangered? No. What are the main threats? Hunting and habitat loss. 
Yep, especially the high, well, habitat loss, because everybody is tearing down the Brazilian forests for the hardwoods. And then I know in a lot of the areas that you remember, I said that it was, you know, like, you know, uh, rivers that were flooding. So they tend to live fairly close to where people might be on some of these forest edges. And that makes it very easy to hunt them from canoes, unfortunately. But there are a ton of organizations out there that have been protecting these guys. There was a, a, a period in the late 20th century where their population went down 30%. That's when they moved from like near vulnerable to vulnerable or something like that. And so there's a lot of European and South American agencies that are working together in South America to protect these little guys. Even though I can't quite decide if they're cute or not as adults, I, I still think they look like, oh, like little, little tiny old weathered men on park benches but what about babies it's our favorite time of animals it's time even though it's an audio format to look at baby pictures this this works great on a podcast because yeah i think it's kind of cool people can google it up on their own if they want but you can look at the baby pictures in ooh and ah and describe any of them that you want they're so cute that's so cute! Look at that one. Yeah, what are some of them doing? Cute. Like, what's this guy doing? Look how he's drinking out of a hose. I can't tell if that's a microphone he's doing karaoke or if he's biting a bamboo. I really can't tell. Yeah, I don't think they have bamboo in South America, but I get what you're going for I there. I think that he's singing karaoke. <laughs> yeah, look at this guy. You remember we talked about the, the, the heavier long coats? He's got a bald head, except that all the hair that should be there is going around his body. Yeah, it's like there's more hair than monkey, receding even when they're babies. Hair. Uh, hairline. All right, let's look at one more. This one's got very, very white fur, receding. even though he's a baby. And he looks like hairline. he's eating something, too. He, and, he, oh, he, look at this. Not one, but two, two babies. He's got a very receding hairline. Well, yeah, that's From why they're called angle. bald... Wagaris. Bald. Do you get it now? Yeah. Yeah, not yeah, B-A-L-D, by the way, just for the record, not B-A-L-L-E-D. I'm sure that most of our audience oh. knew that, but I'll throw that in just in case. Um, All right, so on a scale of one to ten, how cute are they? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. All right. Um, and uh, the final question, should I eat them? No. Nah. No, they're too hairy for me to eat. I wouldn't want to deal with all that. No eating endangered animals. Uh, all right, fine. Okay, well, the bald uh, wakari, that was very cute and a good animal that you chose. All right, yeah. and so this has been Aminals from, from Around, around the, world. the World. Oh, yeah. Match number seven. One of the top leagues in Europe, and therefore all the world, is the Italian Serie A. They are fourth ranked in Europe. In fact, the top four teams there will go to the Champions League. The fifth place team will go to the Europa League. The sixth place team to the fairly new tournament uh, tertiary one, Europa Conference League. They're about a third of the way through the season there, and we've got a dandy of a top two matchup. Number B, Juventus playing host to number one, Inter Milan. Uh, Inter Milan lead right now by two points. Series between these two has been more Juventus way. They've accrued a 17, 11, and 8 record over the last several years. This one's going to be on Paramount Plus where you'll look for it. It's going to be an afternoon game here Eastern Time, 2.45 on Sunday. 
Uh, Juventus, they play out of Turin in uh, the state or region of Piedmont, up in the northwest part of the country. One of their many nicknames is the Old Lady, which sounds weird unless you think about what Juventus, uh, you know, it's got that J-U-V, like juvenile. Yeah, it, it basically means youth. So the Old Lady, haha, I guess that makes it funny. You can tell I'm not a Juventus fan. But there are a lot of Juventus fans out there because they are the most supported club in the country. And why not? They've won the title three dozen times. Last time was 2000. 2019-2020. They've also won two Champions League titles, none of them this century. Close, though. 1995-96 was the last one, and three Europa League titles as well, 1992-93, the most recent instance. Last year, they missed out on international play, finishing in seventh place, and there was great joy in the house of Noob. Uh, this year, their offense, eh, not really that impressive, only getting one and a half goals per match in a pretty high-scoring league. It is above average, but not by lots. But in giving up just a little little over a goal every other match on average. They do have a top two defense. Key players to look for. Tied for second best in the league in interceptions per 90 is one of their stars, uh, Danilo. He is a Brazilian center back, 32 years old. Oh, but he is injured right now. Wonder how big a role that will play. Uh, second best in clean sheets. He might have a little bit more work to do, but he's got seven of those so far. Is the guy whose name I am going to butcher because he is from Poland. Uh, Wojciech Szczesny. I'm going to pronounce it, and those of you who know who he is can have a good laugh over that. Uh, 33-year-old veteran. Uh, he's spent five years with Arsenal, one of the best teams in the world. We've also got a couple of USA connections. They've got with, uh, midfielder Weston McKenney, who's almost got 50 national team caps for the U.S., and Timothy Weah, who plays right wing for them. He came over here from Lille over in uh, France's League One, and he's got nearly three dozen national team caps for the States as well. Team's current form, they have won five straight, are unbeaten in their last seven, and they haven't conceded a goal in their last six matches. So that defense, yeah, it always shines. And now Inter Milan, they are known as the Big Grass Snake. I love a good, unique nickname like that. 19 league titles, last one, 2020-2021. Three Champions League titles, they have done it this century. 2009-2010, they got to hoist that trophy last, last year. They finished in third place, made the Champions League. This year, they have got the number one offense and defense going both. They're getting almost two and a half goals per match, by the way. Lots of fun to watch. They've got the best goal differential going by almost a factor of two. They're looking for just any kind of result from this one, but no one can be surprised if they get three points. Will they run away with the league? We shall see. Key players to look for. Number one league scorer by a mile in this league is Argentinian striker uh, Lautaro Martinez. He's already got a dozen. Number one in assists with five is Marcus Thuram, a guy who I wasn't as familiar with. Uh, another uh, traditional striker from France. So they're playing two big guys up front. He came over here after a very long stint with a mediocre uh, German team, a very good league in Borussia M. Gladbach. And their goalkeeper is no slouch. He's a veteran from Switzerland, 34 years old, who came over from that same German team. He's got eight clean sheets talking about uh, Jan Sommer. He's also number one in save percentage as well. League MVP, though, in my opinion, not only for this team, the whole league, I think the best player in terms of value has been uh, their Turkish central midfielder. Been seeing him for years since he was really young. Uh, Hakan 
Calhano glue. I'm sure I'm getting that wrong as well, kind of going with the phonetics, at least as we would pronounce it here in the States, I think. He actually came over from AC Milan in 2021. Interesting that he made the uh, intra-city switch. Five goals, one assist, 92% accuracy on his passing uh, in a tight space like Central can be. You know, midfield, that's really good. He doesn't do a lot of dribbling, though. He's not the engine of the offense. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last nine across all competitions have won six straight and they're getting ready to play Benfica in the Champions League group stage. This is another one where I would not want to go one way or the other. Yes, Inter Milan are the best team in the league hands down, but the road is the road. I would shy away from this one from the bookmakers. Match number eight. Did someone say trophy match? Well, I did earlier, and I'm saying it again. Match number eight, we're off to New Zealand for another one. Their top league is called the National League. They actually have three regional leagues that play throughout the year, and then the best teams from those go into the 10-team National League. It is the number one ranked one in the Oceania Football Confederation. Uh, They've been number one since uh, Australia left maybe a dozen years ago. Now, the National League season was a single round robin, and the top two are going to play in what is called the Grand Final. Both of these teams will be playing a home and away against each other once again later as part of the uh, OFC Champions League. This one is simply for the overall league title. Number one, Wellington Olympic versus number B finishers, Auckland City. Uh, Wellington Olympic, they won the regular season by two points over City. Uh, This will be played in Auckland technically at a new Stadium, not their home one, but as you would imagine, they're going to have a bit of an advantage in that regard. Uh, Wellington, in the single round Robin National League season, they went undefeated. They are known as the Greeks, as they were founded by Greek uh, immigrants, and they're still very much supported by that community, and uh, they go out of their way to have uh, players of Greek heritage. They have won their regional title, the Central League, four different times. I don't believe that they've ever won the overall national title. Last year uh, was the first time they got to play in the Champions League, but they lost to Auckland City in the national playoff. So this is a chance for revenge for them. And the only reason that they didn't finish number one last year when the overall National League was because of the head-to-head tiebreaker with Auckland City. They had finished tied on points. And then they went and lost to them 3-2 in that grand final. So they have just got to be seething. Defense was good. Offense was outstanding. And then some in a high-scoring league, they outdid everybody nearly. Uh, They tied with somebody else, scoring three and three-quarters goals Per match, And again, that wasn't in the regional one. That was against all the good teams in the National League. They had the number one goal differential by a factor of two and a half. Key player to look for tied for number one in league scoring with 11 was Gianni Bazokas. There's that Greek-style name. Uh, they're also captained by a gentleman named Ben Mata. Uh, he spent the 2017-18 season committed to playing college ball here in the States with Missouri State, but he never ended up making any appearances. Team's current form, they are 11 2-0 in their last 13. And now the Navy Blues that are Auckland City. Uh, just to give you some perspective, this isn't a FIFA ranking, but the IFFHS, a different international body, uh, they rank this team as just outside of the top 300 in the world. That's not bad for only being semi-professional. They have won the league title nine times and 12 premierships. That refers to the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, 2014, they had their uh, best ever international finish in terms of the Club World Cup. Amazingly, again, we're talking about a team of not you know, not 
full-timers, and they got to the bronze medal match and won that. Think about, if you're not familiar with the FIFA World Cup, they take the Champions League winners from all the other continents and throw them uh, into the pot. And so they beat a couple of very good teams. Um, 11 times they have won the OFC Champions League title, and they are the two-time defending champions. Uh, They had an undefeated National League season. Uh, Offense was good. Defense was where their bread really got buttered, though. They only gave up one and a third goals per match, which doesn't sound great, but in comparison to everybody else, it was. On the offensive side, key player to look for, number three league scorer with seven was Angus Kilcally. Love that name. Kilcally. It's K's in there. Uh, team's current form, they've actually lost two straight matches, including a 1-3 loss uh, to finish out the regular season in the National League against Wellington Olympic. Match number nine. Ooh, it's a lot of tracking. Anybody else getting hungry? Yeah, I'm getting hungry. Match number nine. All right, let's at least talk about it a little bit. What I do want to, uh, the one we would be covering, a Monday match from uh, Liga MX Femenil, the top flight for the Mexican women. They're in their Apertura stage playoff final, second leg of the home and away two-legged ties between UANL, the Tigres, taking on uh, Club de America. This isn't going to be much of a fight, to be honest. The Tigres have been just dominant, and they won the first leg, nil three on the road. Now they get to finish things off at home. So given how hungry, I suspect we all, are, and I know I am, let's take a culture break and find something that is unique to that area cuisine-wise where the match is being played. In the state of uh, Nuevo Leon there in northern Mexico, one of the things that I've never heard of, I was embarrassed to say, but that I would really love to enjoy uh, is a special kind of taco, Fideos Secos Tacos. If you're not familiar, basically that means dry noodles. Yeah, they've been, uh, they're really, really thin spaghetti noodles, and they've been cooked in a chili-based tomato sauce so that the pasta actually absorbs both the flavor and um, uh, the flavor and the color. So it's a really vibrant dish to look at. Really good presentation and sounds delicious. There's going to be two steps to making this. I won't go over all the amounts. You can Google up what you're going to need uh, when it comes to that. But I will tell you the basic directions. Uh, first, the chili base. You're uh, best off to be traditionally using a cast iron skillet. Um, medium heat. Add chilies. Uh, turn them occasionally until they're fragrant and lightly toasted. You should be able to tell when some of those edges are getting just a little bit seared. It'll take a little under five minutes, most likely. And then transfer those to a blender. Add one and a half cups of boiling water into your blender uh, and then let it stand for about 30 minutes. Then add tomato sauce, cilantro, and salt. Only then will you process it until it is smooth. Uh, you'll only want to run the blender for about 20 seconds. Should be plenty then set that aside. Now, to make the fideo filling, we've got a couple of steps. Uh, you're going to heat oil in that large cast iron skillet, and this time you're going to up the heat to medium-high. Uh, add chorizo. I'll admit, chorizo, not my favorite sausage, but I'm willing to have it. You know, It's just a little too crumbly and thinly ground for me, but hey, you know what? I'll try anything. This isn't a stretch. Stir it occasionally until it's crumbled and ground. Should take about six minutes is all. And then stir in the fideo, the garlic, the bay leaf, and uh, chile de arbol. Uh, cook it, stirring it occasionally until, once again, the fideo is lightly toasted. Are you catching the theme here? And you'll know that it's getting toasted when you start to not be able to see through it once it gets a little opaque. Only talking about four to five minutes. Then stir in your chili base. Reduce the heat. 
to low, cover it, and cook it until the fideo is tender and the liquid is fully absorbed. That's right. So even though this is a dry noodle dish, you're actually going to get these very, very wet. Should take about uh, 15, maybe 20 minutes. Uh, stir once every eight minutes, whatever you're doing. Uh, remove and then discard the bay leaf and the chili arbol. You don't need those actually physically in there for the serving. Transfer the mixture to a medium bowl. Stir in cilantro. Let it cool for 20 minutes and then stir in Monterey Jack cheese. You want that somewhat separate, not completely melted in. And now your second step. Uh, top each tortilla with about a third of the cup of the filling. Fold each tortilla in half, pressing it gently. Heat that large cast iron skillet now or a grill pan over medium high and working in a batch just toast the tacos until the tortilla is lightly charred and the filling is warmed through. Obviously, if you're just getting store-bought ones, that's fine, that's up to you. I think this would be better. Uh, Top the tacos with Mexican crema, if you can get a hold of it, sliced avocado and crumbled queso fresco. And then garnish with cilantro and serve it right away. You don't want the, you want them, uh, you want those shells hot. And that, uh, by that time, presumably, the uh, your spaghetti noodles being so thin will have already dried out to a crunchy texture once again. And you have fideos secos tacos. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And we finish our main 10 on Wednesday with a qualification tournament here in our region of the world, CONCACAF, where the team's trying to get into the Women's Gold Cup, the Continental Championships around here. The U.S. and Canada, they are both exempt from playing. They have qualified for the main event as part of the top two seeds. I'll tell you a little bit about the qualification tournament. This is a lot like Nations uh, Leagues, both in this area and, say, over in Europe. If you're not familiar with those, here we go. All right. It's actually three separate events in one, in a manner of speaking. Everybody starts out in either League A, B, or C, and they don't play anybody outside of those groups. Now, the teams that are in Group C, they are the lowest-seeded ones in the region. They can climb up to League B for next time if they do well enough, but they cannot qualify for the upcoming Women's Gold Cup, just the way it is. Now, winners from each of the league th uh, the th Winners from each of the three League B groups will not advance automatically to the Women's Gold Cup, but they will advance to a playoff round. Now, in League A, the winners of each of those four groups of three, they will advance automatically to the Gold Cup, and the second-place finishers will play against the winners from League B to get into the Women's uh, Gold Cup. So, the matchup we're going to look at is from League B, two teams trying to stay alive. Uh, number three in their group, Antigua and Barbuda, versus number B, Suriname. Yes, from down on the South American continent, but being more culturally Caribbean, they are part of our region. In League B, they play each of the groups, they play a double round robin, and there are two matches remaining for each of these teams. Here's a quick look at the table. Guyana, they are having a commanding lead with nine points. Suriname, they are in second with six, and Antigua and Barbuda, they've got to get three points at home here, or uh, they're mathematically going to be done. So, in fact, Suriname, really, to have a realistic chance of catching Guyana, they also need a win here. A draw will, either a mathematical or kind of realistically knock both of them out. 
I don't have a ton about either of them, but let's see what we have. Antigua and Barbuda. They are known as the Benna Girls. And if you're not familiar with Benna, it is a really cool Calypso-like Caribbean music. So, yes, they're named after the genre. The team's FIFA rank is number 174. The highest they've ever achieved was number 115 back in 2010. They have never qualified for a World Cup or the Olympics or a Women's Gold Cup. Not a real big surprise with these smaller Caribbean countries. They did make the final round of the 2000. 14 former Caribbean Cup, and they went 3-0-3 in that. They'll be hosting this at Sir Vivian Richards Stadium, which is a really nice one. Capacity 10,000. It was actually built for the 2007 Cricket World Cup that was held in the Caribbean. They carry a CONCACAF rating of 18, which in their League and League B put them in pot number two. In other words, they're not anticipated to win, and in fact, it's mildly surprising they're not a touch higher than they are. They should be in second place by the time things are all said and done, on paper anyway. Here in this event, they are 1-1-2, one, one, third best offense and defense. It's not a real high-scoring bunch. They only get uh, three-quarters of a goal per, av- uh, per match on average. Team event scoring leader for them, key player to look for, she's got a pair already, is Gabrielle DeSouza. Team's current form, the only matches they've played this year have all been in this event. It is worth noting that their one win was actually against number one uh, Guyana. So that is the reason that they are still mathematically alive. And now Suriname, they carry a FIFA ranking number 132. Highest they ever achieved was number 81 in 2003. They're ranked just a little bit below this team, uh, ranked number 20 within CONCACAF, so drawn out of pot number three. By being this much still in it, they're slightly overachieving. They're 2-0-2 on the event. Decent offense, very good defense, only giving up a goal every other match on average. Key player to look for. Uh, team event scoring leader with for, with a pair for them is Andaya Lanfveld. Hard to say. It's got that F and V right next to each other in the middle. And then they are captained by a gal who actually, even though they have some European players, is a member of a local club called Athena, and her name is Hadassah Brandon. Bring forth the bonus matches. And the first of them is one I sort of wanted to call the roadkill match, but I just cannot deny my daughter and her homemade sound effect. This is a first versus last place matchup that we dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And it's a Wednesday match that has been selected from Brazil's Serie A, where the season is nearly at an end. Three matches left for everybody. The top six are going to get to go to the Copa Libertadores. The bottom four out of the 20 will get relegated. Your matchup, number one, Paul Myros. Yeah, it's been Botafogo for a lot of the season, but now all of a sudden it's at least a three-horse race, and they are taking on number 20, America MG. Not doing so well. Uh, first, uh, look at each end of the table. Paul Myros, they lead number B, Flamengo, by nine on goal differential. Yeah, and then just Botafogo are one more point back. Meanwhile, America MG, they trailed number 16. That would be the lowest point in the table that's not going to get relegated. Bahia by 20 points. When they played earlier this season, Paul Myris, they won 1-4 to four on the road. I don't think they'll have much trouble at home either. Series between these two, as you would imagine, mostly goes to Paul Myris, 9-6-2. This will be on Paramount Plus, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time in the U.S., also on VIX and Fanatees USA, wherever you might have your subscription. 
All right, just a bit about Palmyris. Uh, they are from a district or township within Sao Paulo called Perdices in the central area. It used to be one of the poorest areas, not so much anymore. They are also known as the Big Green or, because of their Italian roots, Porco. Yeah, like pig. It was something that... Uh, you know, opponents' fans used to call them to make fun of them, but they have seized the term and made it their own, and why not? Now, mathematically, they've already qualified for the Champions League, but here is how tight things are. The top four get to go to the group stage in this league. The next two go to the Copa Libertadores, rather, but they have to start in a qualifying round, and no one, including Paul Myris, has secured a group stage berth yet. They could still finish in fifth or sixth place, but they will mathematically finish at least that high. It's been determined. They have won 11 league titles in their history, and they are your league defending champions. They've also won three Copa Libertadores titles. They are your newly risen power. They last won it just two years ago. Number one on offense in a league that doesn't see that much scoring. They're getting almost a goal and two-thirds per match on average. Top three defense to go with it. They have your number one goal differential and are your favorites going forward to win the league, especially since they'll rack up three easy points here, almost assuredly in the roadkill match. Key player to look for on the assist leaderboard, the one I want you to watch out for, he's got six of those, by the way, is a singularly named uh, Mayke, M-A-Y-K-E, plays right back for them. They've also got a really good netminder tied for number three in clean sheets on the year with 13 is Weaverton, 35-year-old veteran. Never played in Europe, and yet he's actually managed to make 10 appearances for the Brazilian national team, which is not easy to get on at all. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. And now America MG, they are known simply as Rabbit. I didn't see any sort of indefinite or definite article in front of it, just Rabbit. All right. And they are from a gorgeous tourist-heavy area called Belo Horizonte. It's the third biggest metro area in the country. It has about 6 million people. The city proper is built on several hills that are all completely surrounded by much taller mountains. And music fans, I'm going to test you on this. You know what kind of... This is the capital in uh, Brazil and probably South America of heavy metal. Yeah, this is where all their biggest bands come from. Interestingly, I also happen to see somewhere they're twinned with a bunch of different cities like many metro areas are, including Austin, one of my favorites, Fort Lauderdale, haven't been, but obviously lovely, and Newark. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. I don't remember the tune from Sesame Street, but that is definitely the right song. This team has, sorry, Newark. This team has uh, two Serie B titles, second division. Run the one one most recently in 2017, and they were runners up in 2020. So as you can uh, detect, they're very much a yo-yo team. In fact, they were even in the third division as recently as 2009. They won Serie C that year. Last year, you would have been more likely to find them in our next upcoming match, the most meaningless one, because they finished in 10th. This year, the problem has been defense. They are the only club giving up more than two goals per match. And again, as I mentioned, this isn't that high scoring a league. It's so bad that even though they have a nearly average offense, they still have the worst goal differential in the league. Uh, teams... Uh, most valuable player, I even hesitate to use that word, has probably been Leandro Martinez. He's their central midfielder from Argentina. A goal, four assists, but that's all he really does on offense. He's not much of an engine for them. He's pretty uh, defensive in his nature. He's not much of a passer or a dribbler, considering he's in the central position. Team's current form, well, they are winless in their last 14 and have lost three straight. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring.
We shall sing their praises forevermore. Teams involved in the most meaningless match in the world. We selected a Tuesday match from Albania, where the top flight is an interesting game. The Categoria Superior. It is the number 47 ranked league in UEFA, so just eight are below that. Because of that standing, they get the bare minimum when it comes to international bursts. Just one team, their champion, to the Champions League. And they will have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. Two teams will go to the Europa Conference League first qualifying round. On the other end of things, two will get relegated. One will have to fight for their top flight lives in a relegation playout match. Now, this is only a 10-team league, so until you get to the end of the season, it's hard to call anything truly meaningless. But these are the two that are smack dab in the middle. Number five, Kukeshi, and uh, number six, Skenderboo. I like kind of saying that. It's not as fun as Scoopy from uh, North Macedonia, but it gets there. Series between these two, pretty even in recent seasons. Kukeshi with a slight lead, 5-4-4. Four, and four. That team, they are known as the Northeasters, telling you where in the country they are from. And they've either got a big eagle or hawk drawing on their crest, which is really pretty cool. At least it's not lions. Hey, have we made it through a whole show without any lions so far? Ooh. My kind of episode. Now, they play out of the city of, I'm going to pronounce it uh, uh, Kukes or Kukesh. It's K-U-K-E-S. Might have about 20,000 people. Uh, the city was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize back during uh, the Kosovo War because they took in so many refugees. So, you know, modern history buffs will recognize that name. Despite being meaningless now, this team actually won their only title just a few years ago, 2016-17. 2013-14, they were in the Europa League and made the playoff round. That is just shy of the group stage and is the best they have ever done. Last year, finished in seventh place. Uh, this year, uh, the offense has been a bit above average, but they've got the worst defense in the league, giving up almost uh, one and two-thirds goals per match. They've only got the ninth best goal differential, so I would expect them to be sliding down rather than up. Maybe not today. They're at home, but we shall see. Key player to look for on the scoring leaderboard with four for them is Sebastian uh, Latore from Peru. Team's current form 0-1-2 in their last three. And now Skenderbo. Uh, Skenderbag, for which they're named, is an Albanian historical hero who led a rebellion against the Ottoman Empires. So that's where they get their name from. The actual name of the town of their in is Korshe. It's the eighth biggest one in the country is all. 75,000 people there, but in the district of the same name, it really has about uh, double that many people. They are the team that is furthest south, interestingly, because this area is considered to be the uh, southern intellectual and cultural capital of the country. They are known as the Snow Wolves. 2016-17, though, UEFA banned them. So, yes, if you thought you recognized this name, veteran fans, you're right. This is why. They got banned for a decade uh, based on... Uh, getting busted for a, a match-fixing scandal, but there was no hard evidence found, which is really interesting. All of the evidence was based on uh, statistical analysis of betting patterns that they said were so specific that there was no way that uh, it wasn't happening. We're talking life of the universe kind of stuff. There was clearly shenanigans going on, and they got hit hard. No international uh, tournaments for 10 years. These guys dominated for ages before that happened. They, to that end, they've won eight league titles in the past, 2017-18. Uh, 2015-16, they made the Champions League playoff round. Didn't get past that, but that dropped them to the Europa League group stage, and that made them the first and maybe still only Albanian team to ever hit the group stage of any international event. 
Last year, they were in the second division, the Paré, and, uh, but they finished number one and got themselves right back up. This year, the offense is really struggling. Good offensive players just won't want to be there. They can't even get a, uh, a match uh, a goal per match right now. But they've got an above-average defense, sixth-best overall goal differential. I don't think they're going to be in any danger of sliding too far down. Key player to look for, the team's leading scorer with three so far is Ardit uh, Nikai, 21 years old is all. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one of their last three. Worth noting, they haven't had a clean sheet over that stretch. And now our third and final bonus match, and most appropriately match number Unlucky 13. So appropriate because this is the fresh hell that is the match of... Disappointed! Yes, two last place team who are soiling themselves at the bottom of some top flight league somewhere in the world. The one that has been selected is one we won't have a lot, thankfully, on either of these teams, you know, because they're bad. So that could be a good thing. Less we know, the better. It's a Saturday match from the Enclave Nation of Lesotho. Yeah, that little one that's surrounded on all sides by South Africa. Their top flight is the Premier League. It does not carry that name because of these two teams we're going to talk about. That is for certain. Uh, this league is unranked within the CAF. That's the African Football Confederation because they only rank about the top oh, half, of the, uh, half of the continent, roughly. However, more appropriately or relevantly, I should say, two of the 16 teams are going to be relegated. These are your candidates here at about a quarter of the way through the season. Still time to save themselves, but, oh, has it been dreadful so far. This is the worst match of disappointment we've ever seen, I think. Number 16, last place, CCX, versus number 15, Naughty Boys. They don't even spell it with a Z. They're not even trying to be 90s cool. I don't understand that. Neither of them has a point, by which I mean a win or a draw in their first seven matches this season. All right, CCX could find very little about them. I know they finished in 13th place last year. Uh, they are from uh, Laribe, which is in the north-northwest part of the country. Uh, 40,000 people there, uh, fairly near the border with South Africa. Of course, what other country's border could it be, really? And uh, you might, um, if you're into knowing African geography at all, you probably would say this town is called Halatse. I found Conflicting information. Some people say Laribe is uh, the name of a part of the area for an adjacent French mission, or it could be that it's both. One is, you know, you know, Laribe might be more of a French name, and Hlatse is more of an indigenous language name. Anyway, what is uh, what is Lesothen for? Uh, sucks out loud. One and seventeen goal differential on the season. Yikes! And now, will they look any better in our eyes? Naughty boys, number fifteen. They're one of the capital city teams. That's why they had to go after a funky name, I guess, because there were a lot of them. Maseiro is the capital, by the way. They were re-promoted to Division One after 2021-22. They didn't even win that league. They finished second in the second division, but ended up getting co-promoted with the winners because a team called Kick Number Four Life ended up withdrawing from the Premier League, so that created an extra opening. They shouldn't be here, and they won't be here much longer. Last year, they finished in 14, nearly got themselves the boot. And this year, oh, they're looking to. They haven't scored a goal, but they've given up 13 of them. So, obviously, worst offense in the league, and the defense is only a few spots above that. So, again, teams that don't have any points, either of them, even after only seven matches each, that is the worst. And so, on that note, we will wish neither of them good luck or good fortune, but rather we will shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo.
And that's a wrap on episode 163 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Persa Noob. And so on her behalf, that of our producer, the management, whom we thank for all of his editing and production wizardry, and myself, appreciate your tuning in. We hope that you will pass us on to your footy-minded friends if you are so inclined. Until we can do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Take care.